Well, we live in an interesting time when uh, the word truth is, <laughs> is kind of a bad word because a lot of people simply do not believe in absolute truth. And one thing that separates um, us Christians from the rest of the world is the fact that we do believe in a revealed truth, uh, what the philosophers call a true truth. And then uh, the group exists to give a response to that truth. And hopefully you'll benefit from knowing the truth, which will set you free, and the response to same. Welcome to The Truth Response. Hey, what's going on, everybody? <laughs> Welcome, podcast world, to another incredible episode of The Truth Response. That was my best Derek White Chocolate Thunder uh, impression. I'm, I'm sure it was right on point. Yeah, it, really, yeah, it was. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't good. And you also made a huge promise that this was going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. <laughs> it's always incredible. In... Some of our eyes, I suppose. In someone's eyes. In, someone's. in our mother's eyes, it's incredible. Yeah. they. I don't know. Somewhere in the background, I hear somebody listening to our podcast and in a very southern drawl saying, ah, oh, bless their heart. Like, I just, bless his heart. Yeah, I just kind of feel like that happens often. So... Really excited. We've got the gang all here. Plus, we've got an extra special guest um, Dale is here. Dale Holzbauer. He is not only a martial arts black belt. I'm going to make up a bunch of ninja. stuff because I don't really know. He's not only a ninja, <laughs> but uh, he is also a Bible, s- out, Bible scholar, and he's a python hunter, which is really exciting. <laughs> yeah. So we've got yeah. we've got some super excitement here. Dale Dale's going to bring some actual truth, perhaps, to the truth <laughs> response, uh, which is is really exciting. So. So last week happened, <laughs> yeah. and uh, here we are again for another week, and we're going to continue on talking about the Ten Commandments, or more appropriately, the Decalogue, the Ten Words. Yeah, you did use that term last week. Yeah, Decalogue, <laughs> Ten Words. Yeah, it definitely wasn't me. Yeah. No. I'm the man of little words. Yeah. Not few words, little words. Yeah. I think we talked about that. Many episodes ago, we did. Yeah, so definitely go back and revisit that one. I'm I not sure. I think it was talked sure about as much as made fun of. Derek it's all or... the same thing, really. Really, there's no, there's no real differentiation between talking about and making fun of you. It's all the same. So, really excited about our conversation today. Last week, I don't know. We talked about the ten plagues. Derek kept trying to talk about the Decalogue. I just kept talking about the ten plagues. So. This, I helped. <laughs> yeah. This you week, are awfully excited about the Ten Plagues. I, there's just so much excitement there. I don't know. I mean, locusts, frogs, boils, darkness, death. What's not to be excited about? These are a few of my favorite <laughs> things. Did you all bring up that the plagues were directed against the gods of Egypt, specifically? Yeah, that was the part that we missed. That's, yeah, a, good, that's so, a good part. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that back because I actually wrote that down for this week. And then when I said, Derek, are we talking about the plagues or the commandments? And he said, we're supposed to talk about the commandments last week, and we're supposed to talk about them this week. <laughs> then I had to throw that note out. So, well, I mean, they haven't started necessarily yet. I mean, you want to yeah. give us some insight? <laughs> well, the plagues begin with God saying to Moses, I am God, and I'm about to prove it. Yep. And we have to know that Egypt had many, many, many gods. They numbered in the hundreds. Yep. They had eight main gods. And four of those eight main gods had the heads of frogs. <laughs> Hence, Hecht, the frog god, was yep. attacked. But they had all these other gods. They had gods that guarded the doors. They had gods that drove the sun across the sky, Ra. They had a god that yep. put the sun to bed at night, Atum. They had a fly god, Uasht. They had a snake god, Uraeus. They had all these gods. So when Jehovah comes against Egypt, it wasn't arbitrary. It wasn't, well, I think I'll do this or this. It was designed to destroy them economically, politically, yep. and to destroy them theologically. Yep. Uh, the ISIS, uh, <laughs> they thought the Nile River was the bloodstream of Osiris, so that was attacked. So, you know, when you look at the plagues, you look at God saying to Moses and his people right off the bat, I am God. And that's why these Ten Commandments start out with, 
I am the Lord, yeah. uh, 19. Yeah. And then and, and with the plagues, and he's saying, and I'm about to prove it. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. So. Yeah. But those plagues are really interesting to study. Yeah. They're really yeah. interesting. And they all have natural, not all of them, most of them have natural antecedents. And so the liberals like to say, well, you know, <laughs> they often got plagues of locusts and this and that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, no, these, these were supernatural events. Yep. And... Uh, Really incredible events. And by the way, there's no record of Israel ever being in Egypt from Egypt's side. Hmm. Wonder why that is. Yeah. <laughs> one, one thing I mentioned, Dale, and maybe, maybe, you, maybe you've heard this too, is I, I was watching a documentary on, on historical Egypt, mm. and it showed that there was you know, this mass influx of, of construction and building that they did around the era that the Israelites yes. would have been in Egypt. And yeah. then all of a sudden it came to a screeching halt. And they... They were trying to account for what what caused all of this, and yet yeah. it, it was still it was rooted in about the same time that Moses would have came about and led the Israelites out of yeah. Egypt. There is a there is a people mentioned in uh, antiquity called the Habiru or Hapiru. You can study that, and obviously it's the word Hebrew, which is a corruption of the word Eber, mm -hmm. <clears throat> it refers to this huge influx of people, and that's exactly what did happen. Uh, but the reason the Egyptians didn't mention this in any of their statuary or our art was because it was embarrassing to them. Yeah. They yep. didn't want to keep a record of where they lost. <clears throat> but then we have even after Israel leaves Egypt, we have confirmation with the Amarna letters. So here's the, here are these people, the Hebrews, flooding into what we know today as Israel. Here's Egypt down here. So some of the chieftains here in Israel sent letters back to the Egyptians saying, let's catch them in a pincer movement. We'll move southwest. You come northeast. We'll catch these Habiru. But there's no response from Egypt. Mm. I wonder why that is. Because mm. mm. they didn't have an army. Mm -hmm. They were all at the bottom of the Red Sea. Yep. So yeah, it's more confirmation that the Egyptians could not help the, the, uh, the Canaanites with the expulsion of these Habiru. So it's, it's very interesting. Uh, my father-in-law, who helped to translate the NIV version of the Bible, wrote a master's uh, thesis on Israel and Egypt, and it's definitive proof that Israel was in Egypt. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when we come to the Ten Commandments, which happens three months after they get out in the wilderness yep. and God gets them in the middle of nowhere and says, now I'm coming down to talk to you. Before that, he shows that he is God. Yep. And it's, it's really a, an incredible story. Yep. And Charlton Heston was there, so. <laughs> <laughs> now that part I made up. So. That's a fact. Yep. <laughs> it's it's a really good point, uh, especially with with just even having a base level understanding that that those plagues were were a direct assault on the gods of Egypt, because you find that same thing happening all throughout the course of the Bible, not just with the Egyptians, but you find that in Canaan, you find that with the Syrians and Babylonians, you you find that all throughout, and you find a lot of that ancient narrative and ancient script, there are some incredible parallels to what you find in Scripture as well. Yes. To those ancient ancient narratives and ancient script that are that exist, but then you find this incredible course correction that proves and and points to, hey, you've got this story, but here's the real story. Here's the real thing. Here's here's the true God offering correction to what you already know in your context. Yeah. In fact, when you come to the Ten Commandments, they're preceded by the Code of Hammurabi mm. by yep. a long period of time, and they're very, very similar. And yep. so somebody says, oh, well, the Bible just copied from the Code of Hammurabi or Amraphel. <clears throat> Not true. Uh, God's laws are rooted in his nature, and those came to Adam and Eve. What yep. do you think they talked about? You know. So when people say, well, the Bible copied from some of these ancient sources, uh, no, truth is truth, and all truth is God's truth. But when, he, when it comes to this, and then later on in Deuteronomy, after the 40 years of wandering, when these are really clarified and, and really specified, uh, we see uh, tremendous uh, truth since all these laws are rooted in the nature of God. So don't be fooled when somebody says, well, Hammurabi precedes Moses and he came up with all this uh, with his God, you know, looking up to his God. I forgot the name of the God, but, you know, no, it's not true. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's that's great. It's it's great context to have when you approach this type of of text because we look at these and we're just like, oh, there are a bunch of really great rules that are are meant to be followed, and we plaster them on courthouses and all that kind of stuff. And there's some there's truth in that. There are some really great rules 
that are meant to be followed, and there's some very specific reasons why God, of all of the things that he could have said and all of the things that he could have delivered, these were the top ten list. Like, this this is where he said things really have to get started for you to become my my covenant people. Yeah. And, and maybe covenant is a, a $5 word for us to talk a little bit about as well, um, because it's not a word we use anymore. Like, we, we use... What would we say in terms of covenant promise? Con- contract. Contract. Um, yep. Agreement. Yeah. Agreement. Agreement. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And these these ten, the first four, as you know, terms have to do with God, and then the next six have to do with people. Yep. And here, when Jesus said, you know, love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor, he's he's bringing all these rules down to two really specific things yep. that that mirror what's written right here in the Ten Commandments. First four have to do with God. Respect, love, and the next six have to do with our relationships with, with other people. Yep, yep. Yeah, we we talked about how, I mean, we were kind of all over the place a little bit last week, <laughs> but kind of a little bit. Um, we talked what? about how ironic it was that while, you know, God was giving Moses these these tablets, they were breaking many of those, those rules at the exact same time. Yeah. You know, and, and yep. how, like... How ironic we talked about, like, how ironic it was that they gave all of their stuff and their possessions to, to make, make this idol. And, and just, it, it just was kind of crazy. The yeah, yeah. God, God's, yeah. God's love for us in that, you know, we, he knows what we're doing, but he still is, is working his plan. Working his plan. So. <laughs> Yeah, the Egyptians had gods for their cattle. They had Apis, Ptah, and Menevis. They had a calf god, they had a bull god, and a cow god. And so it was very familiar to them to get a calf god. They'd seen that before. They were they were a corrupt people. They lived among the Egyptians for over 400 years. <clears throat> now God's going to form a new nation. And these are basic, just kind of basic rules of uh, society and, 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 and really to have a, a good theocracy. So, yep. Uh, the, the, I think one good equation in all of this, and the fact that this is around the time of Valentine's Day, even though the two don't necessarily tie together, but you, you've got this, this idea of covenant, which is, is a little bit more than just an agreement or a promise, but it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like that vow, that marriage vow that you take. And this is, this is God saying, I, here, here are my vows. I'm married to you. And God's people saying, we're, we're going to step into that relationship and be married to you as well. And we're going to embrace this, this covenantal relationship with one another. And, you know, in the, in the marriage relationship, it's, it's all-encompassing. It's, it's about two becoming one. And that's really God's true intention, is, is true unity in, in all of this. And it's not... Granted, here we see it for the people of Israel, for the, the Hebrews... But God's intention in, in, in sharing it with this people is to provide a model for the, the, the true covenant that is meant to be for all people, the true unity that's supposed to be experienced for all people, and that comes through Christ. So uh, we, we've got to also enter into this text with that type of understanding, too, that, that there is, this isn't just a rule, a, a list of do's and do nots. This is meant in order to facilitate that relationship between between the bride and the bridegroom, between the man and the woman, between God and his people. And this really sets the great, a great stage for, uh, for that type of, uh, of intimacy that we're being called to. That's why Israel symbolically is called Beulah land. Beulah is, refers to a married state. Mm. We used to sing the song in the church many years ago, Beulah land, and then... Jesus says that he is the groom and we are the bride in the New Testament. But Israel understood, that's right, yep. that they were symbolically married to God, and that's why they were called Beulah Land. Yeah, I don't think we'd call so. it Beulah Land anymore because we just <laughs> yeah. think of an old lady with a bunch of curlers yeah, yeah, in yeah. her we hair. We don't name our kids Beulah anymore. <laughs> maybe maybe chain smoking or something like that. <laughs> Beulah! Beulah! Get over here. Yeah. <laughs> she, she uses white rain perfume. Yeah, yeah, Ouch. definitely. Yeah, that's, this, this is good. For anybody named Beulah out there, we're sorry. Yeah, I, we know there's nobody named Beulah out there right now that's listening to this, so it's okay. We're we're confident. <laughs> yeah, on that's that, an I think. old word. <laughs> we don't do that much anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. All right, so should we take a dive in? Maybe. 
Dale, you mentioned that that uh, that division that that occurs here. First four, of course, being uh, being tied to God, and and the next four being six or, or yeah, the next six yep. being oriented towards the people. Yep. Maybe let's unpack those first four a little bit and see, you know, what what is God sharing with His people? Um, this is kind of where we see the the His the His part of all of this, mm-hmm. like. This yeah. is who he is in in this this marriage relationship in this covenantal relationship. Yeah, it's it, there are two or three things in the, in the first few phrases here that are really interesting. And the first one is this: do a little word study sometimes, folks, and find out how many times in the Old Testament and the New Testament it is said that God got His people out of Egypt. Mm. It is mm-hmm. amazing. Yep. I mean, how many times that is mentioned? I'm I'm God, and I got you out of Egypt. Yep. And there's a lot that could be said about that, um, uh, it, because Egypt at that time, I mean, all you have to do is just do five minutes of study. Look what they were like. It was it was an incredible society. Yep. And here the Hebrews are slaves. Yep. And God said, I got you out. Well, there's there's a lot there. And then the next thing is is the idea that I, I am God. Yep. Now, remember when Moses asked God, what's your name? Uh, God gave a form of the Hebrew verb hava, which means to be, and He just said, "I am," yep. and that's do a little word study on how many times that's used. Yeah, and that's why the, they were so furious with Jesus when He John eight said, "I am." Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knew exactly what He was saying. Yep. So those two things, as we start, God is speaking, and uh, I, I've been in co- many, many conversations, hundreds of conversations with people. And when you bring up God, well, sometimes they'll cynically say, which God? Well, mm-hmm. there's there's one. Yeah. So God is speaking. Yeah. I am God, and I brought you out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Boy, that that lays the groundwork. Yeah. That ought to, that should have, on the part of these people, that should have engendered uh, gratitude yeah. uh, and, and servitude. So. It's yeah. it's it's a great statement, and you know, he I'm, starts it off with a flex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he I'm God. He's yeah. like, pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this has helped kind of kind of tie up a little bit of last week's com- conversation too, because that's where it starts. I'm Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, and he does. He repeats that time and time and time and time again. Yeah. And you'd imagine that the people of Israel probably got to a place where they're like, yeah, so, <laughs> like, th- think about. Uh, even the four or five generations after this that were in the wilderness, made their way into the land of Canaan, embraced their, their promise, you know, their, their promised land that God was given to them. And he would still come back with that reminder, I'm the God that brought you out of Egypt. And to them, they're probably like, yeah, so what? Like, what's the big deal? Yeah, we've got all this stuff. Okay, you gave, gave us this stuff. Like, why do you keep saying you're the God that brought us up out of Egypt? Like, what's the big deal with all of that? And they miss the point, <laughs> you know, they're, yeah. and, and he wants, he wants them to keep coming back to that understanding that it was, it was not just slavery, but it was hard labor that they were tied into. Yeah. And, and you read through, as we did last week, talking about the, mm. the fact that the more Moses was pouring into the Pharaoh, release the people, release the people, release the people, release the people, the harder the labor got for the people. Uh, they, the Israel or the, the Egyptians would provide some of the straw and, and some of the sand and some of that stuff uh, in order for them to make these bricks to to build out the Pharaoh's kingdom. And then it was okay. Now these people have so much time they go worship God. Well, now they've got to go get all their own materials plus continue to produce the way that they did. And I, I really feel like we neglect a lot of that because we live in a culture and a society that maybe doesn't fully understand what that looks like. Um, and, and this, I think, is as much as a, a proclamation for us today as it was for the Israelites 2,500 years ago, that this is God that brought you out of Egypt. This is God that brought you out of slavery. And then we can also look at that same thing with Christ, that he's the one that brought us out of, out of our Egypt, which was, was the slavery of our, us being tied yes. to sin. Yeah, yeah I had a conversation <clears throat> the other day about about that specific thing mm-hmm. actually with a guy that that uh is part of a construction company building the building next door to mm-hmm. the condo that i work at and we've lost sight of of trade jobs sure like anybody younger than than me 
is pretty much not going into trades. There's a few, I mm-hmm. mean, but they're losing that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so if it's as easy as in 30 years, you know, we've completely lost sight of how to farm, how to build, how to do all of that stuff, like can imagine it's it's mm-hmm. equatable is what i'm trying to say yeah. like it, it like we've lost that that understanding of of what it takes to be a construction worker mm-hmm. what it takes to to build furniture what it takes to you know and then on top of it these people were being beaten in the process right. of doing these things yep and the elite here thought all that was beneath them Yep. Mm-hmm. So when God sends his son, he comes as a tecton, a carpenter. Mm-hmm. So we're at 1500 B.C. here, 1500 years before Christ. And uh, uh, people were treated <laughs> sometimes the way they still are. I mean, no, there was no more feeling for these people than their property or mm-hmm. chattel. There, was, there were plenty of them, and a few die here and there. Well, that's the way it goes. So slavery in this country was horrible, but it wasn't. It it doesn't compare to this. This was this was really terrible, and there may have been a million of these Israelites, may, maybe as many as two or three million. We don't know for sure. Yep. yep. But um, yeah, so incredibly significant number, and something incredibly significant for us to carry along with us too. Even though we might not grasp the fullness of of what this experience is, but just to keep that reminder in the back of our our minds. Um, about what, what we're slave to. And, and then he, he jumps right into that. Um, and this is where a lot of the uh, Hebrews, this is where a lot of Jews, they tie, they tie line one and line two together, right, Dale? Yep. It's, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Yep. So yep. that's yep. where Decalogue kind of comes in. Is They're not actually commands right there. Uh, you do see a command in, in the you shall not have any, any other gods before me, but but you bind all of that together. Um, that's right. And, and that's, a, that's a really bold statement, that you shall have no other gods before me. Coming out of a land where they were gods for everything. Yes, they were, they were polytheists, but mm-hmm. they were also henotheists. And a henotheist believes there's a god that rules this mountain, but that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. And there's a god of this valley, and there's a god over here. So these, they were polytheists. Uh, all uh, polytheists, of course, are, are henotheists, but not all henotheists. Are, well, anyway. But anyway, so you have this polytheism, lots of gods, and they were limited gods. Mm-hmm. This god ruled this, this god ruled this. So they were really limited in their understanding of God, so God just says, I'm God. Yep. Well, now we so. call those politicians. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good, and... That's got to be the first reminder for everybody. You have no other gods before God. Yeah. Because we create so many false gods for ourselves. And, and it works in so many different... You know, uh, the, the big three, you've got, you've got power, you've got sex, you've got money, right? They're the big three gods that we tend to create for ourselves. And we mm, think... I would say self would be enough, like selfishness. Well, self. you could probably sum all those things up in as <laughs> that, the yeah. other, that is yeah. the yeah. primary yeah. God yeah. that yeah. we worship because all of those other things resonate from that. Yeah. So we, we make ourself the God, although we've been created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And God created uh, us in his image, then we return the favor. Right. And postmodern... Mm-hmm ism postmodernists that's the whole thing there's no authority right i'm the authority yeah and that's a very dangerous way to live yeah yeah it, it definitely is and uh oh, I, I i i believe in this culture that we live in this context that we live in where where we are separated from some of this this pagan idol worship where where we we aren't worshiping a god of of a river a mountain a valley a hill we've we've just taken the place of that and interjected these other types of things. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I worship the God of that little symbol that's on my car that I drive. <laughs> I, right. I worship the yeah. God of my bank account. I worship mm-hmm. the God of the political party that I affiliate with. I worship the God of, you know, even of, of, of America. Like, I worship this American ideal God that exists out there. And we, we miss the sight, we lose sight of the fact that, that none of those things are God. None of those things have have atoned for us. None of those things can atone for us. None of those things will satisfy our sin. In fact, they just dive us deeper into self-indulgence and, and, and sin. 
so we, you know, we got to hold on to that truth. Yeah. And I think that people now, the reason they're like, oh, I've got this one. This one's not easy is they don't think of those things as gods. Right. I mean, but these, if you think about it, all the things that you talked about were portrayed in gods throughout, mm -hmm. you know, false gods throughout history. Right. Like those characteristics yeah. are That's right. a big yeah. part of gods and uh, goddesses. A, a tribe worships a lion. Yeah. You want to be like a lion. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. We're more enlightened these days. So we don't, yeah. Yeah, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't fall need prey that. to that, you yeah. know, putting a little statue up and worshiping the statue and, you know, yeah. we're. Yeah. We're, we're more advanced than that. We're evolved. <laughs> yeah. Okay, when so really I just not. started. I just started reading a book called The Screw Tape Letters, and this is like, <laughs> this is like, this is exactly what it talks about. Yeah, like, great book. Yeah, it's it, it. I mean, I'm I'm not very far into it, but man, it's really like, we've gotten rid of the gods and we've called them hobbies. Mm -hmm. We've called them, you know, but. It's it's a complete like blinder over our eyes. I never really had thought about that way until I mean, you guys were talking just now, and I'm like, oh my goodness! Like it totally is is, it really is happening, just like that. I had a good friend named Clive Lewis, and I told him I said, you know, you have a famous name, say Clive Staple Lewis, C.S. Lewis, but C.S. Lewis also said this. He said that. Sometimes the worst criminals have well-manicured fingernails and mm -hmm. tailored suits. Mm -hmm. And you think about that. You know, here's a kid on the corner selling a little bit of marijuana. It's, it's not right. But here's a guy like Kenneth Lay who ruined the futures of hundreds of people when Enron collapsed. Mm -hmm. And But the worship of things and money and position and power, I mean, it's, it's incredible. I was thinking the other day that... I'm not picking on him at all. In fact, I admire him. Tom Brady makes seventy thousand dollars a day. Oh my um, goodness! Yeah, a day. That's <laughs> that's per day. Oh man! Yeah, that's a million dollars every couple of weeks. He makes two million a month. So, uh, but you know, and, and I don't know if he saved or not. It's not a criticism at all. But would you trade that? And like the book of Mark says, well, what a man give in exchange for his soul. Mm -hmm. So these are more than just you know principles to live by. Or well, that's a good idea. No. <laughs> God says, I'm God, this is the way it is. Yep. And some of these are they're difficult, but, you know, the, the ten really aren't that difficult. But when the law is internalized, uh, Jesus, when Jesus internalized it, that's a tough way to live. But, but goodness, what would you give in exchange for that, you know? So, I, I like what you said there, Dale. You said these aren't that hard to live by, mm -hmm. but we yeah. make them really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when Jesus internalized it and said, I know you haven't killed anybody, but have you hated anybody? Yeah. Uh-oh. I got a text yesterday, yesterday, last night, from a man who told me the people that he hates. Hmm. And uh, and he's supposed to be a Christian, and I told him, you know, I, I've been trapped in that too, but that's a bad way to live, mm -hmm. you know, to be hating people. Yeah. Uh, well, I haven't committed adultery. Well, okay, how about the eyes? Mm -hmm. See, so when this is internalized, I've had people tell me, well, I keep all Ten Commandments. I mm -hmm. say, really, you never lied? You never stole anything? <laughs> Let me... <clears throat> no, the, these the Jews could look at this and say, "Well, I, I I've done okay with this," mm -hmm. but then Jesus said, "Oh, you honored your father and mother. How about this Corban law, where you say to your ancient mother, I can't help anymore. I'm giving that to the temple.' Or how about the guys would take her house for temple tax? <laughs> That's you know. So the, these on the surface, people can say, "Well, I haven't done that. I don't do that very much. I haven't done that." But mm -hmm. oh my, these are. <laughs> when they go to the heart, then it's like, oh. Yeah. Well, even I, at face value, if you if you did keep the last it, six. Yeah, even if you've done it one time, yeah. Well, but I was going to say, if you keep the last six, that first four is real that's tough. That's tough. Yeah. Love I God. mean, those first four are real tough. I mean, because that encompasses a lot more than, yeah, don't than ever, I feel like the last six do. Yeah, like, it's yeah. pretty hard because we don't see God, so that's why the promise is we love God, and bam, even though we haven't seen him. That's a that's a big blessing coming. Right. When I wonder with that too, if we you know when we look at at these these ten these ten words, the first four being all about God, I think we downplay those quite yeah. a bit, and we say, oh, I can keep the honor my father and mother. Like eh, I've not done anything. Oh, I haven't murdered. Yeah, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't stolen anything. I haven't I haven't given false testimony against my neighbor. Like I haven't done those things. I haven't coveted. Well, I think covet is another one we kind of let slide. 
but we 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 we, we, we separate those things a little bit right there as we can see the separation here but the four the first four we just we just kind of let them slide a little bit like eh, i i don't actively do that i don't actively worship this thing i don't have a i don't have a dollar bill stapled to my my front door and I bow down to it and pray to it all the time. I don't actively do that, but the way I live says something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So we are probably far more apt to breaking those first four than we want to think. And yet we, we downplay those like, Oh, I, I, I definitely follow all those. They're, they're not a big deal at all. They're not a problem in my life. You know, I, I've got those other things on lockdown beyond that then too and that, that's why we can say ah i'm not i'm not all that guilty of any of this yeah that's that's a trap yep yeah i i tend to um think about you know the fact that jesus did internalize him but he he says love your god and love your neighbor right but then we get in corinthians like a glimpse of what love looks like mm -hmm. and have any of you ever done all of those things perfectly? Yeah. Like, nope. Like, and it's all of those things together, you know, and in in your actions and deeds. And it's like, man, that's a tall order. And it's also really cool at the same time because it's like God feels and does these things towards me in this way. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's, it's a tall order. It's a tall order to love somebody. Mm -hmm. And I think that we, we lose that. I know that we're talking about the, but we got to love God, you know, like we lose the idea of what love is in our society too. Mm -hmm. And we don't pair it with like scripture, you know, when it gives us a pretty, I would say a pretty good definition of what love is. Um, just if they had to spell it out for you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, man, we've lost sight of what love is. We, we see it as a emotion. Yeah. 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 Instead of a motive. Yeah. Yeah. Big difference. It's, yeah. Uh, it's 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 dangerous. We're in a place where we work to redefine everything. Mm -hmm. I think we did talk a couple of weeks ago about redefining some terms. I don't remember what we talked about specifically, but we we have redefined, right? We've redefined what marriage means. We've redefined what gender is. Mm. We've redefined what love is. We've redefined all of these things. We've redefined what hate is, even. Um, to the point of, if you don't agree with me, it means you hate me. <laughs> so it's, it's crazy. We've redefined all of these things. And you go to screw tape letters, man, C.S. Lewis talked a lot about oh, that in, in that in the way he told that story. That was that is what the enemy does is he works to redefine and to manipulate. I, there, I love one good line in there. I'm going to butcher it. But I, one line just sticks with me when I, from when I read that. It's about how the enemy can't create, he can't create any, anything new or anything good. What he can only do is manipulate what mm. God has created that is good and that is new. And it's his objective to make it as unpleasurable as possible. So he take a concept like love, he makes it unpleasurable by, by removing the aspect of it that makes it as significant as it is, which is God himself. The blessing. The blessing. The blessing yeah. in it. Yeah, and and he instead turns it inward on us and says, well, you define what love is. Love is what you want it to look like in the mm. mirror. And all of a sudden, then we've, we begin to, to water down this incredible concept that God has given to us. And we never get to feel the true blessing of what it is, the true fruit of what it can bear, because we made it something it's not meant to be. Yeah. yeah. The heart of love is unselfishness. Yeah. Yep. And if you look at what what most of our culture calls love, it's all selfish. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's all about what do I, I want, get out of what this. What I like, what yep. I and it can go away yep. tomorrow. Yep. Fifteen minutes from now. Yep. It can all change. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. like the flavor of the week is really yep. what love yeah. is. Yeah, yep. that's right. Yeah. It's interesting too, and when we talked about all these, all the things that, that preceded uh, this, and all, everything that'll follow in Israel's history, First um, Corinthians ten, I think it's verses six and eleven. These things were written down as examples for us. 
Mm. When these people were delivered, for instance, written down as an example. When they turned their back on God, written down as an example. Mm -hmm. And you trace the history of Israel, it, it just parallels what mm. so many things in our lives yeah. and, and the 21st century. It's just, it's just incredible. So these things, all these stories, all the way through the 929 chapters of the Old Testament, they're written down for as an example. Yep. And uh, there's another element to this too, that God, as he enters into this covenant, so we're at roughly 1500 BC, the Exodus is 1447, but so we're, we're roughly 1500 BC. So 500 years before this is Abraham. Do we remember the covenant God made with Abraham and how he sealed the covenant by cutting the animals in pieces? Mm -hmm. and so he cut the animals in pieces and then God walked between those pieces mm -hmm. as a smoking torch and Abraham walked between those pieces. That's an ancient covenant that says, I'll keep the covenant. Each of us will keep it. And if we don't, then what happened to these animals will happen to you. Mm. So this is a this is quite a this is quite a covenant. The Abrahamic covenant was the Mosaic covenant, the Noahic covenant made with Noah. All these the Davidic all these different covenants go back to one where God says, "See how we cut these animals in pieces according to ancient Near Eastern custom." Mm -hmm. I'll keep my end of the bargain. Now God says to His people, "You definitely will want to keep yours," mm -hmm. and they didn't. Yep. So in 722 B.C., 700 years after this, northern kingdom gone. Yep. 586, southern kingdom gone. Yep. And it's, a, it's, a, it's tragic, uh, just tragic, tragedy after tragedy yep. with what happened to these people. So. Yeah, what, what's, what's, what's interesting with that as well is you have the high point of, of the people of Israel really in that moment, in the moment with Abraham. That's that's the that's right. A, a lot of people might yeah. look a little bit later on and and say maybe the high point is with David. David. Yeah, like, I mean, he was he was the the king after God's own heart, a man after God's own heart. The high point, from a success standpoint, you might say is Solomon, right? Mm -hmm. That's where the wealth and the expansiveness of of the yeah. kingdom of Israel was was at its 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 pinnacle. But that moment with Abraham is really the high point oh, because from it's, there it was this incredible decline that happened oh. because nobody could keep it. Nobody kept the, the, the covenant. Nobody kept that marriage bed sacred in, in that great marriage between God and his people. And from there, from that moment, uh, yep, incredible decline. You look even after, after 586, after the fall, and then was it 70 years later when the Babylonians released them, you think, oh, the high point's coming again. The crescendo is coming <laughs> again. You've got Nehemiah and Ezra, and, and they lead the people back, and they begin to rebuild the city, and they build the walls and rebuild the temple. But you never have that crescendo where God shows up again. You, you never hear that. It's just, it's just this continue, like, it's almost like a wallowing, a groping about in the darkness where it's just like, what do we do and where do we go? And let's just get legalistic about this. And that's where you kind of see this whole rise of the Pharisees and the Sadducees of, well, here's a law. We know that's what God gave us. Let's just define the letter of the law. Maybe he'll show up then. Maybe he'll show up a little bit more then. And nothing happens. And then you get Jesus, who, who really becomes the true high point. But you get a lot of people in the interim there saying, well, all right, we're, we're going back. We're going to restore the covenant. We're going to re renew all of this stuff. And it just goes out with a whimper. It's sad, really. Yeah, they were. Yeah, it's very sad. I remember the word Zen. Remember, the Persians let him go under Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. Mm. And they come, so they come back under Haggai's preaching. They rebuild the temple. Yep. And then by the time of Malachi, yep. it's trouble. It, it, and, well, where, where, when, when do we rob God? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When did we hate God? And he, he, all these questions, and it's it's terrible. And then 400 years later, Messiah shows up, and they hardly knew him. They can't know him. Yeah, they they, they, they didn't know him. So it's yeah. it's 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 a story of humanity. Yep. Israel's history is the history of the world, and my history, yep. yours. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So. That that's the great part. And Dale, you you touched on that. You said, I mean, this is the 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 the, the Old Testament. We neglect it because we hear that word old and think, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't apply anymore. But this is, this is humanity's story right here yeah. and the cycles that we get caught in. And, yeah. and just like Ecclesiastes says, there is nothing new under the sun. And the, the heart yeah. of humanity that existed 2,500 years ago, 5,000 years ago at this point, 
is the same heart of humanity that exists today. Yeah. And it's no wonder that things are happening. Like, uh, I, I've, I've heard it. I'm sure there's probably a true statistic out there that this is the most biblically illiterate generation to ever walk the earth. With 15% of the population of America going to church on a Sunday, this yep. is pre-COVID, that's probably true. Yeah. When I graduated high school in uh, 18, no, 1965, as 55% of Americans went to church, hmm. which is terrible. Now it's down to between 15 and 18%. Yep. So when I, when I teach the Bible, when you, when you teach a Bible class, it, you have to really start with some really basic things sure. because people simply do not know. And now we get books out like the book by a famous preacher in Georgia uh, who says we need to unhitch the old from the new mm. to sort of forget it. Mm-hmm. You can name drop it. Andy okay. Stanley. <laughs> I, was given, I was given $50 to read that book and give a review of it, and the guy's doing a great job. This is nothing personal mm. at all, but the book is bad. Mm. The book is not good, and the whole idea of uh, unhitching the old from the new, that this is the Hebrew Bible, this is our Bible, the New Testament's our Bible. No, Mm-mm. it's it's terrible. Yeah. And we touched on a that a couple of weeks ago a yeah. little bit, not specific any yeah. anybody necessarily, although we did we did mention a, a famous money preacher. Um, <laughs> you mean, wait but, a minute, you mean people do that for money? <laughs> right? We got on the wrong side of this business. Yeah. <laughs> I've never um, heard of that. <laughs> Uh, we, we, we touched on the fact that, that a lot of, well, that was the topic, a lot of the major, um, preachers have kind of started just giving in a little bit here and there on some things that, that are like, oh, but if I just allow this in a little bit, maybe I can reach those group of people and it, it comes from a good place, but it's, not, it's good. not good. There's a book out by a guy in our brotherhood. Just got his PhD not too long. He wrote a book on progressive Christianity. And it's it's incredible, yeah. and it's a it's it's a real danger. Yeah. And uh, we see it all around. I mean, this year probably the United Methodist denomination will split over the issue of gay ordination mm. and gay marriage, and that's sad. Yeah. It's it's, it's terrible. Uh, our Catholic friends, <clears throat> the current Pope Francis, is now friendly to the LGBTQ community. And his is on record as saying that abortion, in some cases, may be. And he's very soft on that. And their older folks in the Catholic Church are saying this is not right. And they're it's crazy. Right. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's crazy because uh, if you look at the, the history of the Catholic Church, I mean, out of out of anybody, like they're the ones who have been very very they held rules, the line for centuries. Strong yeah. rules, focused rules, follow rules. Yeah. And and it's crazy that that yeah, they, even even that has kind of yeah. been muddied. And, and what goes back to this, where God says, or the very first phrase here in chapter 20, God is speaking. Mm. You know, we don't tamper with that. Mm. I'm God, so this is the way it is. But, you know, it's it's inherent in human nature that you kind of look for a loophole or, you know, mm. or, or denigrate authority, not good. Yep. Yeah. It, yeah. It's hard for us to believe and imagine that we are a created being. Mm. We have a creator. Yeah. And that's a big thought. And it, it you start, from that starting point, things begin to line up mm-hmm. correctly. But if you don't start with that. Well, and so. I think a lot of people look at the Old Testament and they're like, you know, the, the Israelites, the people of God, you know, they turn away from him over and over again. And every time, you know, they cry out for help, he comes back and helps them and stuff like that. And they're like, how, how, how like... They're stupid for doing that. I mean, I thought that when I was like younger. I was like, "Oh, they're stupid." Like, and then I was like, "Wait, a, wait a second. When I keep on sinning and doing that's the same me. sin over and over again, wait a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, there was a deeper meaning than just them doing this over and yeah, over again. It's but more like, than just stories. Yeah, it? it's, it's, a mirror it's more. There. It's more than that. And I have my father, um, pre like when he teaches because he's he's been a youth leader. He's preached a little bit, done a lot of different things. But most of the stuff that he does is from the Old Testament. Mm. So, but I know that a lot of people, a lot of, in general, like, don't really teach or talk about the Old Testament at all. And Mm -hmm. the only reason that I probably know as much as I do is because that's what mostly a lot of what he taught, like. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't, you can't teach what Jesus taught without. Yeah. 
because that that was the scriptures he referred to. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. wasn't the New Testament yeah. that he was referring to. I mean, yeah. it was it was the Old Testament that he was referring to, to that me. we call the Old Testament, but he called scripture. You know, that's like, right. Jesus standing up being like, "Well, Paul's going to write this um, to a letter in Romans." Just want to let you guys know if you can hang on for thirty years. Yeah, yeah. we're going to get. Give yeah. you a preview. Yeah. Yeah. Everything too soon for you guys, but your kids are going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Marty McFly. <laughs> oh my gracious sakes! Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. We, we we it's it's definitely we'll call it a book neglected, but it's all the books neglected, mm-hmm. and well, and because we don't feel the relevance there, and then we also we struggle with the other side of that because God brings some judgment, like He drops the hammer. Mm-hmm. For a good reason, but we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear the judgment part. We don't want to hear the harshness part. We don't hear the death part. We don't want to hear that. And a lot of that, I think, has come through, like, what do you tell, like, kids? Because mm-hmm. I work with oh. children and stuff. And I thought of, I think a lot of that was watered down because because it's like, okay, what's appropriate? What's okay to tell right. a, a smaller child about? Yeah. And there are some Getting lines that you don't, pro- that yeah. there's some things that you don't tell them, but, like, I mean, but I'm like Lizzie the one that's like, that. I, I do all the time. I'm like, well, you know what they did with the gold from the calf, right? And the kids are like, no. And I'm like, he melted it down and made him drink it. They're like, <gasps> like about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they're like, so they pooped gold? And I was like, yes, they pooped gold, guys. <laughs> like, and, and there's a lesson there. Yeah. And there's, it's just like, yeah. okay, like we we lose sight or we forget or we don't talk about these things. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is this is what's happened. And. Some of the boys like it because it's gross, weird stuff. Like you know, ten pegs to the temple. Boys like that. I don't know. I guess so. But like, it's like we water it down so much that like that. That's still what we're telling adults. This Mm -hmm. is still the story that we're telling adults. Like, and like. Well, you're right. There are chapters. There are two or three chapters in Judges that you would not read to children. Mm. Um, I have. But she (laughs) she teaches. Well, there are two or three of them in Judges. But there, yeah, there are things you, you tell a child what is capable. What they're capable what of knowing, yeah. but but look right here. It, it just as this starts, I'm a jealous God, mm. mm-hmm. yeah. and I will punish down to four generations people who hate me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when people tell me, "Well, you're supposed to," you know, we we love the sinner, but we hate the sin. I I get that. I get that. Now read Psalm seven, and then read Psalm eleven, and tell me that God doesn't hate, because mm. God says I hate sinners. Mm. Now that's a pure hatred. Mine. I, that's not for me to do. Yeah, that's not for me. Sure. But when God says, I, I, "No, I, I'll, I, you know, I'm going to do this and this and this," and He does it, it's like, holy mackerel! But you're you're right. Our view of God is, has been watered down mm-hmm. terribly, mm-hmm. and so we have to balance, you know, this idea. I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. Well, God's jealous. Yeah, He is. And God says, "I'll punish." Yep. Mm-hmm. If you hate me, you're going to get it. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, I think. Punish, like we see punish as like a bad thing, but like having a child, like mm-hmm. we punish them to <laughs> correct that's right, them. That's right. And that's something that I talk with Serenity about constantly is like, you ha- like, she's only four, but it's like, this is the consequence. She's exactly. like, well, I've stopped doing this. And I was like, that does, it's too mm-hmm. late. Like, yep, right. you can't get out of that consequences, the consequences of that. And a lot of times it's just God punishes the person. And then they have to deal with the consequences of that. And sometimes that means their children, children, children. Like, it's not that God's continually saying, I'm going to punish you because your parents right. did this. That's right. It's it, you're living with the consequences of what somebody else decided. Like, sentence, if, I, yeah, that's right. if I get in my car and I'm drunk and kill somebody, did God necessarily want that person to die? Mm-hmm. No. But it's the consequences of my sin and my, yeah. my, mm-hmm. my choice, of my choices. Yeah. Sin, like it's sin not... bears compound interest, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. And you see the little That's crack great. baby born, and you see the little baby born with fetal alcohol syndrome, and mm-hmm. we have children like that, and and our extended family, and it's though it's been adopted into our family, and it's just it's just terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and uh, people that grow up with that mm. with that burden already, you know, mm. that they didn't choose. Yep. No. Um, but how many of them end up in that lifestyle? Yep. Because of because of those around. changes yeah. in their bodies and and whatever and maybe they're not given the same opportunities that some of us have been blessed to have mm-hmm. um 
and they end up in those same kind of situations and pass those on to their kids. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. that endless cycle. If people could about, see that, you know. Mm. I think about how God must feel, you know, like mm-hmm. being a parent mm-hmm. and seeing like, Yes, you stopped doing what it was, but you still have to suffer the consequences. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's hard as a parent. Like, it really does hurt me more than it hurts her. You yeah. know, like, if she's still doing it, it's easy to punish. Mm-hmm. But especially once she's like, I've stopped, I've stopped. Sorry. It, punishment still comes. Right. Punishment right. focuses on the past. Discipline yeah. focuses on the future. Right. Yeah. And so you tell a child when they're, like your little girl, by the time they're three or four, they have to understand that. Uh, Susanna Wesley raised 15 kids, and, and her view was that you have to break a child's will, not their spirit, but break mm-hmm. their will by the time they're two. If you can break their will by the time they're two, you pretty well you have a pretty good pretty good child. But if you don't break that will, and it's this rebellion, then that's eh, not going to work. So yeah. we would tell ours when they were three or four and could comprehend. Punishment focuses on the past. Yeah. But I stopped. It doesn't matter. We're focusing on the past now. Now we won't always focus on the past. Right. Now we're going to discipline so that this doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you have to pay for this, and then we go from here, and yeah. I'll never, we won't remember this. I'm not going to bring right. it up anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you get two whacks of the ping pong paddle, it's over. Yep. I'll be in to pray with you in a minute, you get three minutes to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I might steal that. <laughs> uh, so now, that's something we, we started when she, well, I mean, the whole time, I think, is that Anytime that she would get a punishment, discipline, whatever, we always told her we loved her yep. and gave her a hug afterwards. You pray, pray with them, yep. and uh, and then you come back in. And seriously, you give them three or four minutes to cry, yeah. and not <clears throat> that kind of cry, but a, a broken-hearted cry. Mm-hmm. And then you go and pray with them. It's over. Mm-hmm. Now we won't bring it up anymore. We're done. Now let's go eat, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Yeah. Let's go fishing. So, yeah. but anyway, but but and God treats us even better than that. You, you look at the, the patience of God. We mentioned that this is roughly 1500 B.C. It was 722 before the northern kingdom was destroyed. That's 700 years of rebellion that he tolerated. Yeah. Yeah. And then the hammer fell. Yeah. And how many of the, the prophets told Israel again mm. and again and again? And again, I think of Hosea and Micah, southern kingdom, Jeremiah, mm. over and over Zephaniah, again and again. I'm not Think about attention. the mercy, man, and yeah. the patience. I mean, I mean, centuries, yeah, centuries yep. <laughs> to get it right. Then before they were done, they sacrificed their own children. Some of the kings did. They they killed the prophets. I think of uh, here's Isaiah, according to the assumption of Isaiah, which is not biblical. Isaiah was sawed in two by King Manasseh, and yet God still forgave Manasseh and restored his kingdom. Yep. It's his mercy is unbelievable, but don't toy with him. Don't play with him. That's a good way of explaining not just why God's allowed to do some of the things that he did, right? Because like, mm. obviously he's allowed to do it because he created it all. He, he's, but he's God, yeah. for our minds, it, that, it's hard to wrap around still some it of is. the things that we would consider atrocities today oh, like oh if, if, if somebody else did it, you know? Mm. Um, but... It's it's because he he was patient and he waited and he showed mercy and mercy and mercy and finally there's just a point where you can't do that anymore. There's just a point when that you're comes enabling and yeah. and and after 750 years or however I mean it that's wasn't a, it wasn't it. ever hardly ever immediate. Mm-hmm. It was it was because of all of the things, all of the chances, all of the times they had, and it finally is just like okay, no more. There are no 500 millionth chance, you know, like. There's, it's time for time and, for my wrath if you don't want my mercy. And God even said that people will pass by Jerusalem, for instance, when the southern mm-hmm. kingdom went, mm-hmm. and they'll and this this is this is what happens. Yep. And uh, and it it happened. Yep. But yep. yep. Yeah, that's that's significant. I I wonder, you know, in the midst of this conversation, what would have happened if God would have allowed it to go? any farther you mm. see there's a reason that he cut it off where he did yeah. we don't know I, yeah. I i believe that's far beyond our comprehension and, yeah. and we can yeah. we can pull apart and study and and try to understand but he he ousted the canaanites for a reason he gave them free reign for 400 years while the well, even more right while the the israelites were in egypt yeah. and and there was a reason he said my your time's not come like it's not time to bring judgment upon them yet and we, 
as novice biblical scholars uh, and even some some significant scholars don't really have that full picture of how wicked and evil the Canaanites were at the moment that God brought the Israelites in to 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 cleanse the land, right? To yeah. to to bring the judgment that he needed to bring upon them that was required of them. And it it makes me wonder what would the Israelites have looked like had <laughs> had that the Assyrians not come in as the the arbiter of judgment upon the northern kingdom and they were given what 150 years 150 years to run free um and, and king after king after king after king with a queen in there as well that was just horrible yeah and you've got all of that happening and then you've got the southern kingdom given a little bit longer but still even after that amount of time it, there was just this decline that happened what would happen if if god even gave them another 200 years i mean would they have been beyond worth saving? I, I, I don't know. That, that's, a, that's a big question. Romans you. 1, the reprobate mind, that's a tough topic. Yeah. That's a tough one. God says, I, I'm giving you over. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. No restraint. Do what you will. Yeah. Well, and I think of Jesus' timing, too, when you start talking about Jesus' sure. timing is like when the Romans were, rule, were ruling mm-hmm. everything and the, just the depravity that was happening yeah. during the Roman rule and like... It kind of, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away, but it lessens. And then I think of like, you know, the United States and society and my grandparents are of the generation that it's like, you know, it's worse today than it's ever been. And I'm like, no, if you look at the Romans and what Mm -hmm. they did, it's, Mm -hmm. it's getting to that part where like, you know, the depravity is, you know, is said that it's okay. Mm -hmm. But, um. But I'm like, it's not. It's not anything new. It really no, isn't. Like it's nothing new. It's you know. Nero married a boy in yeah, Sporus in a public yeah. ceremony. Yeah. Uh, the carts would rumble through the what they called the shambles in Rome and pick up mm-hmm. babies, forty, fifty a day, yeah. just dump them in the cart. They had the gladiatorial games in the mm-hmm. Flavian Amphitheater, mm-hmm. yep. Colosseum. Yeah. So your death is sport. So we're we're not quite there yet. Yep. We show those things on and are, and are entertained by those things. Pagans are entertained by those things. But they don't actually happen. Yeah. So, yet. Yeah, and yeah, the yet. De- I think of the degradation of marriage and stuff like exactly. that, like that, and like exactly. prostitution was rampant, and exactly. like all these things in the temples. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. It's an act like, of worship. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> like, we are not quite at there, but I can see the trajectory we're going towards. Mm-hmm. So it's like sometimes I wonder, like, okay, what what's God gonna, what's God going to do now? Mm-hmm. Like, well, and and you say that about the temples thing, like. With a grain of salt, I mean, they also, like, the gods that they were worshiping also, I mean, that's part of it. That was part of their worship. <laughs> Diana, their the worship, god of, gods of Ephesus, you know. and Aphrodite and Corinth, they, yeah. they were fertility goddesses, mm-hmm. among other things. Right. Diana was also the goddess of the hunt and right. the moon. Aphrodite, the goddess of love and fidelity. But, yeah, that, that was part of their, that's what their gods were. In mm-hmm. fact, Socrates said that minor children, I'm, I'm putting an art. Minor children should not be allowed in the temples of the gods because of the pornography on the walls mm-hmm. and on the sidewalks. And he said, we yeah. have to keep the kids. Now, that's their gods. Mm. Right. <laughs> right. Like, and they act, they act like a bunch of animals in the barnyard. So yeah. those are your gods. Yeah. Well, to bring us back around, uh, you, you talked a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was last week, about uh, the angel right that mm-hmm. met them when they were heading into land and mm-hmm. he asked if you know you're bringing judgment who you're bringing judgment on who, who are you for? foreshadowing yeah right because yeah. yeah, like it's true later it was finally like mm, sorry yeah it's come for you now yep like and and mm-hmm. basically he's like well you know yeah i'm not necessarily here to save you yep. you know i'm here for them now this is their time mm-hmm. but it's kind of interesting it's almost like that foreshadowing of yeah, judgment can come back upon you right, right now. Right now, as you enter into the land of Canaan, you are the arbiter of the judgment. You're, you're, you are my. God is using them as the sword to swing through the land, but doesn't mean that sword's not going to swing back on you. I'm, angel Lord's not there for, for either. He's not on either side. He right. he is God. He is yeah. <laughs> he is God's for side. God and for what is right and what is true. And uh, well, and they had just seen that too in Egypt. Like that yeah. last plague, like the destroyer. The, the I mean, if it, that fell upon Jews, if they weren't protected under the blood, you if, know, if and, they didn't do what what was required, right there, and do with the lamb and the and the blood, yeah, they then they weren't under the blood. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I don't know 
anybody's ever done any study that some of the Jews disobeyed that, but they may well have. Well, and I almost think, well like, have. what if what if they didn't get to a a place in time? What if they were late? Yeah, the Lord understands that. Yeah, <laughs> but well, you better. But he, they didn't. They didn't prep be a good, in time. Better be a good. Re- yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. If you you just, know what I mean? Like if that, you just said, like, I got other things be... to do. Well, <laughs> no. Right. You Did would you... think that would be something that would be important enough. That, I would think that so. If you, Gosh. if you actually truly believed, if, if you saw the plagues and said, would... ah, "I got plenty of time," yeah. <laughs> right? right. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm, no, I'm for thinking sure. people were probably too scared to disobey. I, right. you know, yeah, there's I mean, no, there's no all record the stuff of... that they saw happen. Yeah. Like, wow. You want to kill a lamb? No yeah, problem. you say that, but then immediately after they get out into the wilderness, they're building a calf god. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, what about imagine. those leeks, man? Can we get some of that leek, <laughs> leek salad? We're the youngins. Yeah. Did you all talk about the angel of the Lord? The angel of the Lord. Did I hear that? Okay. Uh, with uh, the yeah. The angel of the Lord. I mean. With, well, we didn't really oh, we didn't really okay, pull that apart. Okay. You no, know that's no. Jesus in the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a good good study. Yeah, that would be that would be another great podcast topic. Now remember, it would be the angel that, of yeah. the Lord. It's not an angel of the Lord. Yeah. Right. And every time he shows up, it's. Uh, he, I mean, he allows himself to be worshipped. He calls himself God. He speaks for God. He countermands direct orders from God. This is a very special angel. And it got some of our Restoration Fathers confused. <laughs> so they thought that Jesus was Michael, the archangel. Mm-hmm. No. Now, that's the Jehovah's Witness position. Yep. But it's it, it was some of our guys' position, too, but positions. But it's wrong. Yep. Now, that's a different order of being. Now be careful. you got a Baptist sitting in the room. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> are you a Baptist? Well, yeah, the, what, that was my well our, our, good, our good Baptist no, friends not. agree that yeah, the angel of the Lord is the yeah. pre-incarnate Messiah. So, but that's an interesting study. Hmm. It yeah, would be, that would be an interesting conversation because yeah, I've never really actually explored any of yeah, that, that side it, of things. This afternoon, take a look at just the, the angel of the Lord. Yeah, not yeah. There are two opinions on it. One is it's a theophany. It's an appearance of God. Yeah. The other is no, that is, that is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Before Bethlehem, yeah, it's interesting. We know he was there. Well, right. He, what did he, he do? Definitely, <laughs> definitely was present. Watch every time he shows up. Every time he shows up, somebody's in trouble. Every time, <laughs> Isaac's about to be killed. Hagar's about to thirst to death. Uh, Joshua's about to fight some city named Jericho. Mm-hmm. Every time he shows up, people are in trouble. He says, "I'll help you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> he tears the wheels off the chariots of the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another study. Man, well, that'd be a cool movie, wouldn't it? <laughs> some, some of them think like Cecil B. DeMille, nineteen fifty-seven. Awesome. <laughs> you see yeah, the wheels I mean, with come modern, on with modern, with modern technology. technology. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be yeah, something to see. Wheels flying. He just showed a three D film. Oh, you know, yeah. like have to dodge a chariot wheel or something. <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing a thing now. I, I got a bunch of videos out there from this church. It pays me to do it but we're doing one on angels and demons that'll be probably 15 weeks oh, nice. it's going to be very interesting yeah that's cool <clears throat> how long are they uh they i run from half an hour to an hour okay yeah is but, it so in you, just audio anywhere no 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 it's it's it's, it's video well, i was gonna yeah. say i didn't yeah. know if it was something i could listen to on a podcast type thing well you can listen to, to it but you know just don't be doing this when you're <laughs> driving <laughs> cool <laughs> that uh, reminds me of my great where can we find it uh, chapel, like it. or it's called Park Chapel Christian Church. There's probably a hundred videos out there on all kinds of cool. stuff. Park Chapel yeah, Christian <laughs> Church. This reminds me of my great grandfather's last words: "A truck." No, cut that out. Of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, leave that in there, Mark. When you're, we're back. I'm thinking. Of, I'm thinking of you looking, looking down, watching this video. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, hey, a lot of great discussion today. Uh, I don't know if it really requires too much commentary to dive into every one of these specific uh, commandments that are out there. Most people have an idea of what they say, at least. And if not, you can find them right there in Exodus, Exodus 20. Um, some places you can find them in the courthouse if the, or if the, uh, the, the Satanists haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> um, but, uh, but there's significance in there. And ten simple rules that we do a really good job of downplaying a lot of times and thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm, Rules. I'm eight like, out of ten. Like, like, that's all right. <laughs> but there's obviously something that goes so much farther beyond all of that. There, there are repercussions for every one of these actions, every one mm. of these missteps. And Jesus said, you know, we, he, 
you break one one step, you know, one one jot, one tittle, you know, one little bit has has been neglected, and you've broken the whole of the law. So uh, you've got to hold on. We've got to hold on to that as well. And and then it comes back to him. It comes back to Jesus, who is who has satisfied the judgment that comes from our our missing the mark of these ten and beyond commandments that are mm-hmm. given to us. That are really summed up with the two: love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. So, really great, Dale. Thank you so much for coming to hang out with My us. My pleasure. It was uh, it was definitely a pleasure. Appreciate all of your great insights, Dale Holtzbauer. He is a ninja scholar, <laughs> Python hunter, and uh, we are An all around goofball. Yeah, we are fortunate to have him hanging out with us today. And uh, y'all, this is the Truth Response. Look forward to hearing from your uh, your comments. Look us up on Facebook, on Instagram. And uh, you can check us out wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, y'all. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. Hey, thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and give us a like on iTunes and Spotify so that you will never miss a show. And while you're at it, check out our Facebook and Instagram pages and make sure you tell your friends about this show. You don't want them to miss out on the truth because we are all about the truth here. Thanks for joining us this week and God bless.